You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The Chicago Bears lost to the Green Bay Packers again, and Bears fans all around the world are sad about it again as they get beat 30-45 to at Lambeau Field. I bring on BostonSports.com's Kari Thompson to talk through the ups and downs of the game with me on this instant reaction episode of Bear With Me. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And we are coming at you live, me and Boston.com's Kari Thompson, to talk through this thing, this Chicago Bears Sunday night square dance with the Green Bay Packers that I'll tell you what, the first half alone was worth the price of admission. That was Flat out nutty. Kari, how do you feel in general here at the end of the game? Uh, you know, at halftime, could have just been like, stop the count. You know, <laughs> we, that, that, that would have been that would have been great. Um, I feel like I, I feel like in particular with fields, right, because th- that, that's the main thing I'm thinking about, because honestly, it does. It did not matter to me one way or another whether the bears actually beat the Packers tonight because I didn't see it happening. Honestly, I'm just happy that they didn't embarrass themselves worse speaking from a fan perspective. Um, The first half was definitely like that, that kind of dead cat bounce sort of feeling where it's like, yeah, they emptied the clip, you know, and they did all the fun Jakeem Grant trick plays and even busted out a punt return for a touchdown. And you're just like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with that. That's cool. Um, but you kind of had the feeling that like, yeah, unless they hung a 40 on them in the first half, somehow uh, it eventually was going to catch up to them. And it, and it did. Right. Because that's just, that's just how it goes for the Chicago bears. Um, and I think that all in all, I think with, with Justin Fields, it was rusty. It was not terribly efficient. It was not, quite as bad I think as some of the people that we kind of talked to perhaps we're, we're you know, talking about it as when you consider all of the other factors but yeah the dude clearly wasn't completely healthy um he looked like a guy who hasn't played football in two weeks or you know two and a half weeks you know if you if you want to count you know him being out for for a half um and so I think that all things considered like you're, you're looking for the signs with him. You're, you're, you're looking for the development. You're looking for the little things that you can hang your hat on every game. Like you could say Justin Fields got better with the experience that he had. And I think that it was better than, it, than he played in his last game, I would say. Um, and I think that all in all, like he gutted, he gutted it out. You could see his talent. They kept it moving at times when things just weren't going very well. Um, and so I, I'm going to choose to focus more on that 
because I think the physical things that he struggled with, those are things that I just, I think he can fix. Right. And then it's just a matter of, he's just got, if he's healthy, he just has to, you know, keep playing rather healthy right. enough, healthy and, enough. And Hey, look, I hope that I don't sound like some massive Johnny rain cloud here. I just, I've seen enough Twitter anger where I feel like we can say Normally, Fields does a better job of getting the ball downfield, and today he took a strip sack trying to get the ball downfield. At one point, he had to hit like a weird jump pass to complete his longest pass of the day, which I think was like 17 yards. And for the first time, the box score actually lies in his favor. He Mm. threw two touchdowns, one of which was a pop pass that went for 46 yards, and the other was a gorgeous 11 yard slant i mean nothing we we don't need to talk about that like it's a send him to canton throw and that one went for i don't actually remember the specific yardage but a lot of yardage and his second touchdown i would tell you with a straight face that i think fields escaped and managed the pocket better than he has over the course of the season and i thought that his running or his legs were an effective Mm -hmm. running weapon he ended up with i think over 80 yards and about nine carries but it was 76 yards i believe on Mm -hmm. nine carries yeah but he also threw in rushing yep he also he also threw a bunch of balls over the intended target he threw a pick six that he earned the balls or like the a lot of the balls he did throw were wobbly i feel like this was one of those weird games that hopefully down the road we look back and say well he was hurt i hope so right because i remember we did the same thing with trubisky in 2019 which i'm not going there because this was 2018 now that i think about it with the rams game where we said well mitch was hurt That's why he played terribly before the 2019 season happened. But even so, I know I keep seeing this kid who he's getting a little better. Somebody said it in the comments section. Fields actually checked the ball down a couple times. That's a big improvement because he wasn't doing that at all. (laughs) Like, uh, I mean, as recently as a couple weeks ago. But it's a process. We hope it's a process that yields results. I'm not dissatisfied with Fields's game. I mean, rookie lumps happen, and if you don't believe me, take a look at the way Tevin Jenkins played today. Holy moly, yeah. right? But all that aside, I feel like Fields still is showing that toolkit where if you wanted to say, I like him, you got no, like, you will have no issues finding the 10 to 20 to 30 throws that you need to say, that looks great. But Today was also continued evidence that no rookie is as polished as you think they are, right? Because there's a lot of things that Fields is having to work around. I don't know why it is that everybody is so, so keen on reading Nagy's short game book. I mean, whether it's quick hitch routes over the middle or the Cole Komet slant route that was totally covered, there are a lot of these (laughs) short balls that when you watch just to pick up, I mean, part of the reason I brought you here. Mac Jones does not have near the trouble finding open targets with, I don't want to say lesser receivers because the Patriots have some real players, but it's like their wide receivers are generating so much separation compared to what the bears are generating with Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, Demir bird. And I don't think Goodwin played tonight, but you get the idea that it almost feels like they're playing different games, but I'm just talking off the top of my head at this point. Like it, there is a lot, to digest with fields and either way he's going to get an incomplete grade at the end of the season. Cause he's a rookie, but help reel me back in. Tell me about what you're seeing 
with the way that it seems like the Bears are handling fields compared to the way that you're seeing Mac Jones get handled before we get back onto the game. You know, so you, you brought up um, that in a way it looks like they're playing a different game, you know, and, and bringing up the comparisons with the, the receiver group. It's, it's interesting because, um, you know, they have better tight ends for one thing. Like you put, you take Hunter Henry and even Jonu Smith hasn't necessarily played that well, but you would take Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith over anything the Bears have going at tight end. I would think you put either one of them on, on this team and it's an upgrade. And then in terms of the receiver position, right? Like you, I feel like you've got bigger names, right? You've got Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney and, and, you know, Darnell Mooney had a good rookie year and he's been talked about as a you know breakout candidate kind of guy. And on the other side of things in, in New England, you've got like Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar was your, your biggest free agent signing he's at wide receiver. <laughs> and he's not really doing a whole lot of anything right now, but Kendrick Bourne, is one of the better free agent signings of of any team somehow um, after Matthew Judon, who has been incredible. But you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna focus on the offensive part. The big thing to me is that that in New England they scheme routes that allow receivers to separate from defenders. Right, you get a lot of you got a lot a lot of deep digs and and deep in cuts. You get a lot of crossers. I, I mean, it feels like there's a crossing route on every single play in New England somehow. That somebody is getting a slant or they're dragging across the field and trying to find a hole in a zone or try to run away from a defender and man coverage. And it's like you saw that on the Demir Bird touchdown where it's an option route out of the background out of the backfield and. Demir Bird's fast, so you put him on a linebacker, yeah, he's going to get open. You hit him in stride, and he can go for a touchdown. And and I just feel like we don't see nearly as much of that kind of stuff in Chicago. You see a lot of, you see a lot of curls and, and hitches and routes where people are stopped, and they're just trying to box people out and just, yeah, just hit a quick throw right here and, and, and stuff. But, but, but nobody's getting open. Or on, on a play where you have Cole Komet slanting over the middle, Cole Komet can't run. So so it's kind of like what I, – I, I understand, right? Like we're talking about you want to have routes where, you know, somebody's running away from a defender, but Cole Komet can't run away from anyone. So it's kind of like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't sort of thing. But, I mean, the with Mac Jones, so much of his efficiency is the fact that he is able to find receivers – and get them the ball like in, in situations where they can run after the catch. But it's also the fact that the scheme encourages that, mm-hmm. that, that it draws that up specifically. Like, yes, we want you to get the ball in space and be able to turn up field and run with the football. And how often does it feel like with the Bears, it's like you're, you're throwing to a static target, right? It's oh, like Allen Robinson is, you know, at the, you know, a yard shy of the first round, you know, down marker standing there, you know, and, and getting tackled short of the sticks. It's like, can we get a guy moving towards the first down marker? Right. right. So I, it, it's, it's really a combination of different things. And I feel like if you give Justin Fields an opportunity to, you know, throw to receivers that are moving like on the Demir Bird touchdown, right? Like, like think things like that. Like you can you can see the the possibility of success there. Um, and I think that really, like, 
I, I don't know that I've seen anything to suggest that, you know, he his processing isn't isn't good. I have seen people say, like, oh, I'm concerned about his processing. I don't know that that's the case entirely for me. I think that he uh, there was a you know, third down conversion early in the game where they were just talking about how the, the Packers like to muck around and, you know, disguise things, you know, and, and you know, throw chaos at you post snap. And Justin Fields hits Allen Robinson for a first down. He diagnosed it pretty quickly. Like, he's a guy, he's smart. He knows what he's looking at. But I think his thing is he's always trying to make a play. And that's where you saw some of these jump passes, right, where the pocket's muddy, he can't step into something. So he's just like, I'm an athlete. I'm just going to throw this crazy-ass ball that, like, most quarterbacks cannot slash should not attempt and he probably shouldn't attempt it either, but he's like, but I can do this and I have to do it in order to potentially com complete a class. So he's, he's doing things that are ill-advised at times. And I think that also, I, I really do wonder how much his injury contributed to some of those high throws with some of the arm slot things, because he was clearly getting underneath the ball too much and it was floating. So again, I think that on the whole, I, as a Bears fan, am happy with the good things that, that he did in this game while also understanding that, yeah, he's duplicating some mistakes. Some cases he's making new mistakes, but those mistakes have to happen. And, 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 and you know, as long as you can see, again, that there are things like he's checking it down, like you were mentioning, right? Um and he's hitting receivers in stride and allowing them to gain yards after the catch. And he's also using his legs, I think, more safely than he has in the past couple of weeks. Those are all good things. So I would say that regardless of you know him looking good or bad, all in all, I would say he got better today. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. He got better. I mean, I, at least we hope so. If he becomes the guy we want him to, we will look back and say he got better. If he doesn't, we will look back and say this was the beginning of the end. But honestly, I get the impression, Kari, that whether it's the offseason, whether it's next week, we're going to talk fields to death. And this is a post-game podcast. So there's plenty of other stuff we can get to, especially in a game where Jakeem Grant went absolutely off and if i could be honest with you you started talking about what you thought about what this game would be as a bears fan from the overarching part i gotta tell you based on the zeitgeist and the impression that i got from twitter whether it was rumors from de bears blog or the way that george mccaskey operates i got the impression there was a lot of emotional decision making inside of hallis hall that could very well be riding on this game and if i could be really honest and I hate admitting this. The first half freaked me out because suddenly I saw visions of extensions under the Christmas tree. And I didn't need any of that. So as as weird as it sounds, I mean, as Aaron Rodgers just wallpapered the Bears defense. Like, I... I wish I had something nice to say. Robert Quinn looked phenomenal. Eddie Jackson had a great pass breakup. Yes. Jalen Johnson had some moments of phenomenal coverage and then got his ankles shattered by Devontae Adams yeah. for a touchdown and, and I mean, later in the game. 
Yeah, and that's tough because I mean, like that—that's—that's that's a hard position for any quarterback or any quarterback to be in, right? You're on the two-yard line with Devontae yep. Adams, just able to do whatever he wants to you. And I feel like, aside from that, I mean, that was a—that was a damn good game from Jalen Johnson against one of the best receivers in, in in the league. And you you brought up Eddie Jackson. You know, it wasn't just the pass breakup. I think that. He also tackled better, more physically. I think he was he was more involved. He's mad in 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 a, in you know kind of like a physical way, right? Um, than I think he has been in the in the past. You saw Travis Gibson get a sack, yep. and then after that, that's where the good started going away. Roquan things like Roquan doing oh, Roquan, Roquan things killing, pre-hammy. You know AJ Dillon in, mm-hmm. in, in the red zone. Watching Roquan, what what I find so special recently about Roquan Smith. So if there was a place where I used to criticize him, it was where Roquan, especially early in his career, would just get erased in the running game. He mm-hmm. wouldn't quite know where he was going, so he might fit the wrong gap, or God forbid, anybody tight end or lineman block him, and he was basically erased on the play. So it started to feel like Roquan not that anybody wanted to admit it because he was the number eight pick overall, might start to look kind of like a safety playing linebacker, almost like a tweener, where, yeah, amazing against the pass. But he's got to do something against the run or he's going to struggle as a linebacker. Holy moly. Last three weeks, last four weeks or so, he's just been running around blocking assignments and basically corralling running backs by himself. I mean, it's wild watching 58 play football he has completely sold me on not just keeping him around but obviously the extension that is looming hopefully it's not too expensive but hey roquan go get your bag like from a player perspective i hope he gets everything he's worth i don't even know what number that is with fred warner getting paid 20 million dollars but i digress the point is like you're saying we can pick out some individuals but when xavier crawford's on the field there's a touchdown around the corner. It's just a matter of when. And holy moly, did like the Aaron Rodgers-led Packers offense just sort of wait until they got their chance, fourth and three. Oh, look at that. Crawford's nowhere close. And, and or, or on, on the big wheel route touchdown, right? The big Don't even. wheel route play. It's like, oh, <laughs> oh, look at that. Jalen Johnson's on somebody else. And you've got... Oh, Xavier Crawford on Devontae Adams? Yes, please. Touchdown. And, and it, but, but, exactly. That's that's the thing. It's like they are adept at just picking your weaknesses and destroying you. And and you know what? That's what good teams do to bad teams. And the thing is, it's like, yeah, Xavier Crawford being out of the game, like that, you know, you could look at it like you don't want to see a guy get hurt, but you're thinking like that might be a bit of an upgrade. But not really, because who else are you playing? You got Duke Shelley, Artie Burns. Like it's this is a really, really bad cornerback room outside of Jalen Johnson, and and so I I think that it, it to get to your overall point right where you're talking about like yes, finally in the second half is almost like okay, this is the blowout that we wanted slash needed. We're not gonna have this whole like. Oh yeah, they beat the Packers on national television. Like now, now everybody's job Shocks is safe. the world. I feel so good about this. It's like it's like no George no, would have too. Like I just I have to say this in my heart of hearts. I know George McCaskey would have absolutely come out with a five and eight team feeling great. You know what I mean? Like, because that was that was the one thing you needed. I think that Negi's toast. I think that even be. if they had won this game, I think he's toast. I think the question is pace. And 
again, right? Like you can you can talk about you know Negi and, and the the offense and you know not building around Justin Fields and, and such, but but I feel like when you talk about the defense, when you talk about why is Xavier Crawford on the field, why is Kendall Vildor your number two cornerback? That's a reflection of Ryan Pace. Yep. That stuff is on Ryan Pace. The fact that you have a team that is so your roster is so vastly inferior to the Green Bay Packers that you hate so much, that's on the general manager. Yep. So so you you can't let him skate on that. And to me, there is there is no there is no reason that he absolutely must be retained by this organization. I, I just no. I don't see it. I mean, what frustrates me the most is we could talk about players who played badly and the potential upside that comes with that, right? I thought Jenkins had a decent first half with a holding call, admittedly, but he's a huge dude. He's got to learn that, especially when you wear white gloves as a very large person, you cannot hold, your hands are visible. And so got to figure out how to wear some team color gloves of the other team and, and go with that. But... Outside of that, he gave up, obviously, a really nasty strip sack. I'm one of those guys that will put almost any sack on the quarterback until I can prove otherwise. But even so, it looked like Fields was looking at one of the rare, deeper concepts there. Like, Jenkins had a rough one, but he's a draft pick. You're okay with that. Just came off of back surgery, for crying out loud. I don't know if there's any of us that was like, Tevin Jenkins is going to play great. And if you were, this is what you got. But so... Outside of that, the worst part, Kari, is you're mentioning a bunch of these guys, Xavier Crawford, Tashawn Gibson, Alec Ogletree, Artie Burns. These are not draft picks. These are free agents. They're holdovers. These are hole fillers. These are like the stuff you put in your walls, like the toothpaste that you put in the hole when you're trying to hide the fact that you want some of your security deposit back. Like the the Bears defense is starting a bunch of those guys, and it's not because of injury. Kendall Vildor is healthy enough to play teams. He is not the starter. Duke Shelley actually might be hurt, but the fact that Duke Shelley is your nickel is in and of itself a problem. I mean, like, you look across this roster, and I hate saying this, because again, I don't want to lose to the Packers. But after Aaron Rodgers has beaten us 23 times in 28 attempts, I'm used to it. This was the beatdown I hope George McCaskey needed to see from, like, the Rodgers-led offense against the Bears' defense to get Pace out of the building because this defense was Pace's construction. I feel bad for Sean Desai because these things are going on his record. I don't know who would do well with much. Remember, in, what was it, 2015? Kari, help me out. It might have been 2016. Vic Fangio led the 27th-rated defense in the NFL. If you give a good DC bad pieces, pretty much only Belichick's going to get something out of them. Like, yeah. and, and yeah. that it, is voodoo. It, well, well, it's funny because now everybody's talking about the fact that uh, the, the Patriots got seven wins out of Cam Newton last year was, you know, arguably an even better coaching job than he's doing this year. But, but, you know, not like aside from that, because I mean, I, I think I've, I've come to appreciate like seeing it up close, just, you know, how they get so much out of these players. It's amazing. But I think that, when you're talking about that from the bear standpoint, right? So what are you bringing those players in for? Like, like, what is your vision here? The vision was most likely that, well, I've got Khalil Mack 
and Akeem Hicks. And we're just going to generate a lot of pressure up front, you know, with Robert Quinn as well. So our front four is going to be so good and so dominant that it's not going to matter that our secondary is terrible. It's like, well, first of all, that was not true really at any point this year. And now you don't have Akeem Hicks or Khalil Mack. And Aaron Rodgers is just like, like there were there were times in in this game where it just looked like he was screwing around. Yeah, honestly, you know. And so so it's like yeah, good good on Robert Quinn for getting those couple of sacks and Travis Gibson for getting a sack. But I, when they really needed it, there was there was no pressure in sight. Aaron Rodgers knew exactly what he wanted to do, and he just he just did whatever he felt like doing because it it was it was it was fun. He was having so much fun to put it in a Matt Nagy parlance. Okay. Uh, but but again, I, I think that, you know, when when you're when you're looking at that, right, the plan from the beginning was flawed. It was just inviting. It was inviting disaster. Now you have it. Now you have it. And it's on right. It's on you, Ryan base. And I think that, you know, some people quibbled about, you know, Sean Desai being a nickel too much and like getting run over by A.J. Dillon and stuff like that. But but the thing is. What are you going to do? You're facing Aaron Rodgers, for God's sake. You know, so so it's like you got to pick your poison. If you're going to be a nickel. Your guys need to come up and tackle because I'm sorry. The running game to me, that's the that's the lesser of things that you should be worried about. If you're playing Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams, right? It's right. like if they run on you and beat you, good for them. Let as em. far as I'm concerned. Um, but but yeah, I, I think that all in all, right? Like this. Again, it had the feeling of emptying the clip in the first half and all the fun things that that you that you had in store or or, or like, you know, the, the remaining good vibes that you had, you know, came out and it was it's wonderful. Right. But the second half, just it, as always, it brings you back to the reality of what you're watching, which is that this is not a good football team. It's not a good roster. It's not a well coached team. Right. And and so you don't really have a choice. It's like whether you trust George McCaskey or the ownership group or whatever, right? Whether you trust them to hire the right person, whomever that is, it's kind of immaterial. You have to change this. You have to make a change. There's no other option. Nobody, no one has done anything to deserve. I'm talking about the coaching staff. No, right. none of them have done anything to deserve to stay. Like unequivocally, yeah. And look, I mean, I feel like we lived through this with the Trubisky situation at least a little bit, right? Separating the chicken and the egg is really difficult, right? I mean, like right now, if you take a look at the Patriots roster, I love using this Patriots versus the Bears comparison, right? Yeah. Because you're seeing a rising tide lift all boats, and you're seeing a I don't know what the opposite of rising is, like because maybe it's falling. A falling tide is sinking so many ships. You've got guys that were considered bona fides, like John DeFilippo and Bill Lazor, that look really bad right now. You've got Matt Nagy, whose career, he's going to have to resuscitate. I mean, Sean Desai started hot, and especially as injuries piled up, and honestly, I think that there were some smoke and mirrors pieces of the defense that got read through, and there's nothing wrong with that. You can't hide, uh, like, Kendall Vildor, Tashawn Gibson, Alec Ogletree, and so on and so forth forever, but 
they it's it's a whole bunch of things that are all falling apart and like you're saying when you look at it and you say which part of the coaching staff should stick around well i mean hey outside linebackers seem like they're doing pretty well but that's about it like robert quinn may break the sacks record for the chicago bears which is a heck of a record to break that 17 sack record set by richard dent i think quinn got two more tonight pushing him up to 13 that's really awesome or Travis Gibson, a fifth-round draft pick, is totally coming together. There are little pieces here and there that you can point at and say, hey, you know what? That works. Like, that's coming along. But I think the funny thing is, because I've seen some Bears fans talking about whether or not Sean Desai deserves to be a defensive coordinator, and on my opinion, the secret is, is that it doesn't matter, because if we're firing Matt Nagy, we're probably getting a new defensive coordinator anyways. You know what I mean? Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, so, I mean, these guys want to bring in their their own guys and have their own vision. And while we're talking about, as, as I say that, their own vision, what continually seems to get me about the Chicago Bears and about Ryan Pace in particular is that I'm not sure that he ever really had his own vision when he took this job. Because okay. I, I think that that his, his his thought was I'm going to try to almost like recreate the New Orleans Saints, right? Like in 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 his his obsession with finding the next Drew Brees and and imprinting that onto Mitchell Trubisky, who in no way really resembled Drew Brees at all, was really telling to me, because. And, and then and then that cascades onto all of these different things. Like, like you have this vision of what Mitchell Trubisky is, and and that leads you to trade for Khalil Mack and to go in on Allen Robinson and to you know, create the, the the one good roster that you had, and you built it around a quarterback who you know you were trying to figure out if he was good. And you brought in Matt Nagy, who, for all intents and purposes, right? I, I feel like that hire has been revealed as a fraud in in just just really brutal ways hard to suggest it hasn't it and 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 i think that with him the idea like with with trubisky and negi i think that so much of it was the vibes were what pace wanted them to be he was sold on their personalities he was sold on how they made him feel as opposed to the actual results that they netted on the football field and and what they were going to net going forward. And when you think like that, it leads you more prone to be fooled and to make the wrong decisions. And 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 I think that you know again his his idea that like he you know, Trubisky made him feel a certain way about like I can see this guy being Drew Brees. You know, in terms of, you know, the the general um you know the the accuracy right and and you know the, the way that he can you know throw the football and you know in short and intermediates and like that's what i want right as opposed to you could have conceivably drafted deshaun watson or you know if you had been feeling really frisky you could have drafted patrick mahomes but that didn't fit with this this idea that that he you know tried to fit this into he wasn't willing to be like you know what I can see a different vision for this guy and we can build around that because he's a, he's just a, a better player or a good player. Right? right. And Matt Nagy has 
you know, he, he, he hired a guy who also works within that image of he had an idea of how things worked under Andy Reid and then was just like, OK, I'm going to do things my way, whatever that is. And none of it is coherent. And so now you're, you're stuck with a guy who also doesn't have a co- like a solid, you know, coherent vision of how to do his own job. Right. And, and, and I feel like it just it, it trickled. It has trickled down throughout this organization and it is now revealed, you know, a system that is so flawed that there, there, there's no saving it. There's no redeeming it. And, and again, you wonder how much of this is just, we're doomed to deal with this as Chicago bears fans because of the fact that you have people making decisions who don't know anything about football. Right. At at the very top of this. I know that's a that's a really kind of long rant, but I again on, we, we keep we, we keep talking about you know the Patriots versus the Bears and the Patriots versus everybody else. And the the biggest difference in all of that is just Bill Belichick and the fact that he knows exactly what he wants to do with every football team he ever puts on the field ever. Right. And every football team that he puts on the field buys into what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Even Tom Brady in the later years when he was pissed off because he didn't have the weapons, you know, that, that he wanted to have or, you know, he wasn't getting paid what he wanted to get paid. And he was thinking about leaving. It's like he still embodied that system. He, the best player on that team embodied what bill belichick had been creating for all of those years i'm going to hold you to this standard that demands excellence yep can you look at the chicago bears and think at at any point that anything about them demands excellence no they're more of a we're gonna go do our best organization and you know what sometimes that actually generates we just said that we got a glimpse of what they could be yeah, it's yep. about what you are, man. <laughs> and honestly, that's where I think as this head coaching search goes on, which, hey, look, I have no opinion or like I don't get a say in who the Bears head coach is. So it's not like my opinion matters. But I'll tell you what, Kari, there is part of me that as I keep watching, whether it's the Bills offense really sputter or the Dallas offense struggle, I keep finding myself going back to what makes these well-coached teams so well-coached. And I can't help but feel like, and I don't know who this would be. I mean, dare I say Harbaugh unironically? I don't know sometimes. (laughs) But honestly, that strong central figure does a lot for the team, doesn't it? That you've got your offensive coordinator to run the offense. And you've got your defensive coordinator to run the defense. And what it feels like, whether it's Bill Belichick or John Harbaugh, even Andy Reid. Yes, even the guys like Sean Payton who are heavily involved with their offense – They've got their, like, their, what is it, their talons hooked into every piece of what makes mm-hmm. that team their team. It's why we show the head coach when we're talking through football montages, like, before the game, right? Because yeah. the Rams are Sean McVay, and the, like, the Ravens are John Harbaugh, and John Harbaugh is the Ravens, and Mike Tomlin is the Steelers. Like, you could go through all these things. I don't know what this means for the Bears' future head coach. I really don't. But 
I am starting to wonder whether over-promoting an offensive coordinator is the answer that we've made it out to be when a lot of the most popular choices, whether it's Sean McVay's struggling Rams, the Kyle Shanahan, the like 49ers that have been winning recently, but they have an abysmal record during Kyle's time in like in San Francisco, you keep looking and you keep seeing the guys like Mike Tomlin. I keep coming back to him as that per like perfect example of you give him duck Hodges and the rotting corpse of Ben Roethlisberger and they'll be just fine. Kind of. Uh, and I don't know. I feel like that ism is missing in the bears and I don't know where to place it. Cause I like having things that I can actually point to and say that needs to change. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it but, feels but I, like wherever they can find it, they need it. Yeah. And, and, and that's honestly part of the overall problem here, especially if you're relating it to the head coach, because we joke about the, you know, we need to find out about the whys and, 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 and all of that. But the thing is that I think in a lot of ways, Matt Nagy is not sure you know, especially when it comes to offensive game planning and play calling and really, really all of this, right? Like, again, nothing about this is consistent. There is no, I, I feel like, marriage of concepts, right? What is the what is the offensive identity of the Chicago Bears? What well, is it? <laughs> it's funny. I can tell you what it is. So it's a mishmash of running concepts because they're trying to basically their whole running game clearly is like what happens when you Google, how do I get my quarterback involved with the running game? Whatever like the first three pages of Google hits are, they tend to run that. And so from a passing game perspective, they can't get away from like this boiler 1995 West Coast that hasn't been iterated on. So they won't run dragon or slants and arrows. I don't know why. But they just seem, I swear, if you asked Matt Nagy, like, dude, why do you run so many curls? He'd be like, because you don't get it, man. If you time that thing up perfectly, it's unstoppable. Like, ball thrown before the receiver turns around. They turn around. They're at the same spot. Like, how do you even defend against that, man? That's my honest opinion on what he thinks about the offense and why we see his bread and butter play is the curl at all levels. But, but yeah, and and so and so you're looking at that, right? So so your identity, so your identity is is essentially it's essentially a play that you could do completely without, for the most part, or, or a route that you could almost do completely without in the NFL. If you're not going to double move like, off like, of it, you don't need it. Like, like honestly, like, and again, we talk about the Patriots, right? Like, yeah, they run curls and comebacks and and, and such every now and again. But like I said. The the Patriots are basically running a drag route on every single play. And There's always a receiver crossing the field with an opportunity for Mac Jones to throw it out ahead of them and give them an opportunity to catch it and turn up field. And what makes me that, so that jealous, is, That is Ari. what that offense is. You, you constantly have routes where there is a receiver running in or running towards a corner, running away from somebody, right? Yep. And that is what contributes – to Mac Jones's amazing efficiency, right? It yep. doesn't always look amazing because he's not he's not doing Justin Herbert stuff where Justin Herbert is rolling out of the pocket, magically sets his feet and chucks it 55 yards on the right. line. Like, because not everybody can do that and you don't have to do that in the NFL to be successful. Oh but my I gosh, feel, yeah. Yeah, but, but I feel like 
Matt Nagy takes that to a different degree where it's like, well, yeah, we don't have to have explosive plays to be successful. So we're just going to be not explosive. Right. Right. And, and when I say like, what is the offensive identity of the Chicago bears? Right. So, so you, you say that, right. So it's like, you know, this, this like kind of static West coasty kind of thing will matriculate the ball down the field. And when it doesn't work, what do you do? Because that's, that's what they're faced with every single game. When it doesn't work, when it inevitably stalls out, what do you do? Well, what do you go back to? And to just throw something at you to answer your question by telling a story. I think what I've been most impressed with, with Mac Jones and what's going on in the Patriots offense, you mentioned all these drags, Kari, let me ask you, like, again, question for a question. What is the special quality of a crossing or a drag route? Again, it's for, well, okay. For one thing, right. If you have, if you're playing a zone defense, right. right. And you get somebody like dragging across the field, you can find and you hit that space between the zones, whether it's between two zone defenders that yep. are standing horizontally, or if you layer the throw just right, which is something Mac Jones could definitely do and you layer it between the deep zones and the middle zone and you get a nice 15 yard chunk play but the other thing is if you're in man coverage again you force that man coverage defender to run all the way across the field with you yep and they and they have to play it they, they, they basically have to know it's coming and they have to and they have to time up the angle just right in order to make a play on the football, you have the advantage. And especially if you've yep. got a speed guy. And for example, you, you want to look at a play where the Bears did this, the Demir Bird touchdown. Yep. It's an option route out of the backfield where Demir Bird's matched up on a linebacker. That linebacker cannot run with Demir Bird. And so and so now he gets a you know, he comes out of in, in slants, right? Angles across the field. Linebacker's mm-hmm. got no chance. Nope. And so you get him the ball in space and you give him an opportunity to run. The Bears don't do that stuff. And even worse, in my opinion, Kari, because you missed my favorite part. From a coaching perspective, you're talking about all the advantages, the hidden advantage. It's really hard to be late on a drag route. Like, it's (laughs) really hard because especially against man, if you miss it on the break, you can just wait two seconds and let your guy run away from the guy he's on. Mm -hmm. Like, for Fields' case, if he doesn't nail the timing of the curl, or like we saw today, he's late on an out route, it's a pick, right? Mm-hmm. And Fields loves out routes. That's 100% on him. Like, that throw's got to be better. The throw's got to be more on time. Like, he should be able to drive that ball. He didn't. Not the point. The point is, is that with Mac Jones, I swear that whole Patriots offense, especially early on, it has these real underpinnings of how can we not let Mac screw this up? But, like, in a nice way. Right, where it's almost like a smiley, yeah, really easy to execute offense. Yes, give him things that are within his measure that he does well. And you know, it's interesting you bring up. It's hard to be late on on a drag route. One of uh, uh, Justin Fields' touchdowns in the first Packers game, the one at home, was a drag route where it's like he could have thrown it to Darnell Mooney, like. Five seconds before he actually yep. threw it, but Moody was still wide open. It didn't matter, right? Really and, hard and to be late. <laughs> exactly. You can he be was, late on a post. A whole, he was like a whole two seconds too late. Yep. And he was still wide open because there was like a coverage bust or something like that. Absolutely. But but, but the thing is, and, and this this is what gets me, right? Is that 
people looking at the Chicago Bears offense and thinking like, oh, and Andy Dalton or Nick Foles, you know, run clearly runs this offense better. It's like they, you know, like you're you're asking Justin Fields for number one, you're you're asking Justin Fields to be something he is not, which is a ten year veteran who just like has the timing down and is seeing these routes a million times and knows, you know, how teams are going to play this this thing. And to just know, okay, I've got to just deliver it right here perfectly, boom, timing, you know, right on, right? You're asking him to do something that he simply does not have the experience to do. Secondly, anytime you're saying, oh, Andy Dalton runs this offense so much better than Justin Fields, it's like, this is the kind of offense that you want Andy Dalton running. You're running the wrong damn offense, right? Think about what we saw today where I, it happened sometimes where Justin Fields had the pocket moved, but for the most part, he's playing within the pocket. You're asking him to stand in there and it can't tell you how many times they emptied the backfield and you're, why are we doing this again? Why? That is, that is not what he should be doing. That is not what he is, is good at right now at this point in his career and you saw a lot of his yards, you know, in, in, in the, and he, you know, racked up like 122 yards or something like that against pressure, against the blitz. I, again, I don't think it's a processing problem. He made plays against pressure. It's the other times when they're playing base defense, they're playing in zone, they're taking away the deep shots that, that the Bears want to scheme up for him and that, that Justin Fields wants to take. Well, how do you open opportunities for him to make plays otherwise? You move the pocket. You give you give him, you know, a flood concept on, you know, on the right side of the field or the left side of the field, whatever you want to do. He's hit he's hit that corner route on the left side, rolling to his left so often this year. He's good for it once a game. Didn't see it one time today. Right. And and so you're just kind of like, where is this stuff? I know you want to protect him. You know, you don't want him to run around and get hurt. But look, man, if you want to win a football game with Justin Fields, you've got to play this a different way than what you're playing it. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking. From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. At least it feels that way. I mean, to pick on some things, so... I, there's a lot of conversation that I'm seeing about Fields' first-read tendency, and he was kind of a first-read guy today. Like, we don't need to pretend he wasn't. At least, at the very least, the broadcast footage says he is. Now, the broadcast footage is a liar, mm-hmm. so you don't always need to read or to trust it. But it yeah, felt that but it's way. Like, at pick six, it was first, first read. read. At the same time, if Fields was thinking about the pressure in his face, because, look, I don't want to beat the dead Mustafer horse. Kenny Clark ate Mustafer's lunch. And Preston Smith didn't have too much trouble with Tevin Jenkins for the majority of the game. And yet Fields avoided, I think it was one just surefire sack on a left side rollout. That where was I, hilarious. I don't, I don't know, know how he got out of that. I also don't know why he didn't throw to the flat because normally you're supposed to. Maybe the guy was just in his business enough that he felt like he needed to get out of the tackle, but he did, which is wild. And then that other third nine, I think it was like a third and nine ball to Jimmy Graham, which, I mean, I'll be the first to say it, put the ball near Jimmy Graham. If Jimmy Graham is dropping the ball, as much as I want to be like, it, make a play for your young quarterback, it is tough to miss Jimmy Graham's catch radius. Uh, but Fields had done the hard part. He avoided like two set or two would be tacklers mm-hmm. and drew a man in a draw and dump situation. So he drawed, he dumped, and the throw wasn't good. Yeah, you hope he'll throw. fix that yeah. next time. But all that to say that Fields seems to be he it seemed like he had his mind on that instead of on a second read. And if he was already thinking about the pressure at that point. That is a very hard, that is a very, very hard thing to work backwards from. It's not like a death knell for quarterbacks. It's more like it's really tough to think second and third read when you're thinking, all right, when do I get the heck out of here from your pocket perspective? And to your point, that's something that whether it's moving the pocket, they've tried the whole Uber max protect thing. It brings a lot of people into the box. I don't know if they love it, but all that to say, yeah, I can understand not doing that all the time, right. for sure. And, and you can't you can't win like that running just two routes, right? Um, and it's interesting. You you know you you bring up the you know him not thinking about the second read part. I mean, so next gen stats put this up about an hour ago that mm-hmm. he was pressured on nineteen of his thirty five dropbacks, which is more than half. And that's, oh gosh, I thought that's, I said nineteen percent. Holy moly! No, no, there's fifty four point three percent of his dropbacks. Justin Fields was pressured on in this game. Yeesh. That's the highest. That's the highest rate of pressure the Packers have put up in almost two years. So I mean, they they have been, they were all over it. They really were. And it's not like his time to throw is going to be high. I mean, we've seen plenty of games where it was. We've seen plenty of games where it was like Justin. Can't hold on to the ball forever. And this time, the longest moment that he held on to the ball, he got strip sacked. <laughs> like, as he went to throw it. Yeah. I mean, this is brutal. And and you know what? That doesn't excuse him. I feel like I'm just going to keep saying it because I don't think Justin Fields is so made of Teflon that we can't criticize him for a game here and have him respond, whether it's in 2022, so on and so forth. He'll be fine. But... 
Gosh, this is just yeah. A rough I mean, one. You, you, yeah, it's like you play bad, you know. And and I I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that he played bad, right? It it, it certainly wasn't good, right? especially in terms of, of rookie quarterback play, you say like, okay, that was, that was okay. You know, there was some good, there was definitely some not very good. What if I put um, it this way, Kari, if you immediately right now closed your eyes, reopened them and had transformed a Justin Fields into Mitchell Trubisky as a fourth year starter, we would be saying, I, you just can't be putting up 45 passing yards in the third and most of the fourth quarter. Like yeah. there's a bunch of these isms that we'd say he gets the rookie pass. I I'm more than happy saying that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Tevin but, Jenkins but gets the rookie pass. Yeah. But. Right. But, but it's like in the end, right? Because, because here, here's the thing. And I, and I've talked about this in, in relation to, to Mac Jones from the very beginning. Right. And in like, when we were having these debates back in the summertime about, whether it's like, should they play the kids, right? And how necessary is it to play the kids? Right. There's always going to be a slightly different scale when when it when it comes to rookie, or there can be there can be a slightly different scale when it comes to rookie quarterbacks. So, are they good for a rookie, or are they good good? Period. And I think that you know Mac Jones has been good for a rookie, and he's been about average in terms of NFL quarterback play with throughout the duration of the year, which is right? a huge think, accomplishment. Like just for a rookie, just, yeah. just to back the guy for a hot second. Like there are some people out there that are, that are talking about the things Mac doesn't do beautifully. Right. Talking about how I think last I checked, he's like bottom five in air yardage per throw. Like he's not throwing the ball far. He's not doing a bunch of quote unquote hard things. But no. for crying out loud, if I could draft a 14th overall quarterback and then work from there, I would take it over and over and over. Like, just I feel like the Mac Jones dialogue's weird. Sorry to jump in there. No, there no, some, you're, you're, you're There are some people right who are because... almost out to prove he sucks so that it makes them feel better. Maybe about their quarterback, maybe about their pre-draft evaluation. A lot of people trying really hard to say, I told you so, or yeah, it's not what you is... think. And, and that is a classic thing that people w- love to do with, especially rookie quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I you know it, it, is that, Oh, like the, like you've got to tear down somebody, you know, else to, to like prop up your guy right. or the idea that like you, like there, there's still like local hosts who are like, Oh, well, you know, if, if uh, you know, the, the Patriots had just kept Cam Newton, they probably would have been four and zero to start the season or something like that because, you know, Mac Jones doesn't have the upside and he can't cut the ball through the, through the crazy winds in Foxborough in December and January or whatever. Right. And it's just like, dude, just, can you not just look at the fact that while he's not doing something like, you know, special, you know, crazy throws that, that again, like a Justin Herbert can make Justin Herbert, the guy everybody wants. Yeah, or that a Justin Fields can make the fact that, that that doesn't mean he's not playing well. There are different ways to play the you know the quarterback position well. The best way to do it though is to complete passes. New England and Brady score points. New England it's Brady was boring. Like the the Brady I grew up on was boring. You know what I mean? It was throws to Julian Edelman at the time. It was Wes Welker. Like, they had this plan. The fun 43-year-old Brady that we see in Tampa Bay, that's not the Brady I grew up on. Like you're saying, 
there are a lot of ways to win in this league. And it's not usual that you're supposed to even be able to complete 60 to 75% of your short throws. You're supposed to make a mistake here and there. But if you can handle the what Mac Jones is doing, the mistake-free ball, it works. And yeah, credit it, to New it's England. Pretty great. It's They're pretty great it when you're it's pretty great when your rookie's not costing you the game. Right? right? You know, I three I passes that, in a win. That one, yeah. I mean that one goes into the QB works. win statistic book. Yes, whatever works. I think that the bottom line when when it comes to me with, with Justin Fields, right? And you know, in, in talking about Mac Jones and and you know his being you know, uber efficient and, and, you know, what he's doing that other guy, the other rookies aren't doing is that Justin Fields has been obviously like some of the, the peripheral numbers suggest he's been pretty bad, right? All in all, like if you're looking at the totality of NFL quarterbacks, I think though, that again, if you're talking about a rookie with all of the context that we've talked about of what this team is and what we know about him as a football player right now and the fact that yeah he's not always going to he's not ready right now to operate an Andy Dalton offense or to operate a Patriots offense necessarily like like that, that's not necessarily his skill set he requires something else right now at this point in in, in his career slot him right in with the Titans like just to pick on yeah. an offensive set oh my gosh if if you could put him in a Shanahan offense that's one that I don't think I'll ever forgive Kyle because he actually had that opportunity. But mm. there's, like you're saying, I feel like it's as if the Bears keep trying to force the worst offense for Fields on offense or like onto Fields yeah. and because, say, because figure it out, kid. Because it's got to be Matt Nagy's way, right? But but I think like the overall point is that in the end, when when it when it comes down to it, somebody like with Fields' level of talent needs to at least be able to show you that talent even when it's not all working like the like the way that it wasn't you know today right or or rather yesterday now because it's yesterday for both of us at this point um but i think that we we still were able to see what we needed to see to say that there's there's some stuff here to work with and that a competent coach with a competent offensive system that caters to his strengths, that builds an offense around what Justin Fields does well, that you can you can create a good team out of that. Yep. I and, mean and, and I feel like and I feel like we we have we have seen that and and the the physical errors, the needing to secure the football better in the pocket. Um, I mean, the strip sack is kind of tough because he's trying to throw the football and he's getting hit. But other times that when feels weird. Where, where it gets muddy and he needs he needs to just hold on to the ball better when he's outside running with the football and he's not securing it the way that he should. It's like th- these these are all absolutely things that, you know, have dinged him in terms of his his efficiency and turnover worthy plays like so many more of them have been about the fumbles in, in a lot of ways than, than just the interceptions. But I think that, again, what we need to see from him right now is that he can continue to improve on the little things game in and game out. This is not, and it never really should have been, this idea that, oh, Justin Fields is going to come in, we're going to make the playoffs. Like, 
No, at this point, you're just thinking we need to just see if Justin Fields can play football. And right. to me, to me, I've seen enough to say that Justin Fields can play. It's funny. You got your cat roaming around in the background. Mine's over here on my right. <laughs> yeah, um, he's one. But, but, I, but I guess like my thing is like I've seen enough to say that Justin Fields can play. Yep. And, and I mean, e- again, even when it's not sharp, when it it's rough and the offense stalls out and you don't score in the second half, you know, until, you know, garbage time. Right. Yep. I still feel like you've seen enough to say that there that this guy can can play quarterback for you. And now it's about figuring out who's going to be coaching him when he does that. Yep. And I'll give one more point. We'll go into game balls and we'll tie this thing up and go to bed. But like you're saying, I mean, it's weird to pick on little things. But for a rookie, truly every situation matters. And so Mm -hmm. we got to see what Justin Fields looks like after throwing a pick six. He threw a touchdown pass. We got to see another gotta-have-it situation at the end of the first half. The Packers just scored. You got 40 seconds and a couple, like a set of timeouts. Go get some points. They got it, right? Like, there are these little moments where you look at it and you say, well, it wasn't impressive and it was not shiny and it was more than likely going to go down as Fields' second-worst game of the year behind Baltimore. No problem saying that. And yet... We saw these little moments where Fields came out with a tiny, meaningless victory that can make us feel good going forward should it continue to get paired with throws like we saw against Pittsburgh, Detroit, and so on and so forth. But I think we've discussed it just about to death for now. Aaron Rodgers renewed his ownership stake over the uh, over the Chicago Bears. The Bears had us in the first half, not going to lie. And uh, I almost made th- that joke earlier. <laughs> you, you have to. Right. Let's talk game balls. When it comes to your offensive game ball, who do you got? Uh, Jakeem Grant, our guy. The only I mean, choice, right? <laughs> I mean, well, it's either Jakeem Grant or Demir Bird. Take your pick. I mean, I, I feel like in terms of, you know, offensive, you know, slash special teams players, I mean, Jakeem Grant was, you know, I, I don't know what you do with him. I don't know if he's somebody that you look at bringing in on a one-year deal next year. I feel like a lot of it depends on if Tariq Cohen really is done for. Um, maybe somebody like Grant would be decent insurance. I feel like as as solely as a returner, 97-yard punt return touchdown aside, Sweet. Um, for the most part, he hasn't offered a ton in terms of the, the return game except for lost field position. Um, but when they, they, the way that they've begun to use him a little bit on offense, I mean, I think there's something to be said there for, for what he's been able to contribute. And I would not be opposed to seeing him as a fourth, fifth receiver next year. You know, with somebody who can add return value, um, though, you got to start coaching him up a little bit better back there. Oh, sure. Uh, But, but yeah, I mean, that, that play was huge. That I mean, that absolutely, I mean, first of all, goes down as a great 46-yard touchdown pass for Justin Fields. Yes, hey, if, Andy Dalton stats. Can get a, if Andy Dalton can get a screen pass out of Darnell Mooney and get that for 60 yards to his leisure, then Carmen. go ahead and give that to, to Justin Fields. Justice. 
Yes. <laughs> I feel like talking about Jakeem Grant is so weird. It makes me feel so bizarre, Kari, because I feel like when I watch Jakeem Grant move, he's an objective. He's one of the most fun punt returners the Bears have had in a very long time. Like with the ball in his hand, he cuts left, he cuts right, he goes back, he goes forwards. He just finds seams. Like he has a bunch of really good punt returns. And yet, if you look at the statistics, right, the best punt returner just about in the league, or at least top 10, would be if you made a scary-looking hologram of Devin Hester and no one was back there. So every ball just goes into the end zone and you just call it quits. Like, Jakeem Grant does lose a lot of field position because taking the ball out of the end zone is, like, a problem until all of a sudden you're cracking off 40 yard returns. I feel bad for kick returners nowadays, kick and punt. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, normally you get this one guy who doesn't have much of a role in the offense because it would be stupid to put somebody with a real role in the offense back there. Curry <coughs> Tariq Cohen. Um, and the only way they can make an impact and a living is to make plays on these weird balls that normally you get the ball at the 20 to 25. If you just don't do anything. But there's no incentive to just not do anything. Yeah. I feel for it, right? But Grant the mover is fun. Grant the screen ball like guy is great. I'm here for it. Two that scores. That boy can move. I will hard, say that. That boy hard. Yep. on that touchdown. Even even as like Demir Bird trotted into the end zone, hard not to lump that offensive moment for Jakeem Grant and the special teams play, which was awesome. Like into one give him that offensive game ball and defensive. Is there any choice other than Robert Quinn? Not really. Um, I mean, if you want to give it to a single play, I mean, I totally love Roquan destroying AJ Dillon in the, in the red zone. But I mean, yeah, in terms of, of, of player, I mean, what are you going to say, you know, that we haven't already said about Robert Quinn? I mean, last year, I mean, clearly he was, he was hurt. He just wasn't himself. And uh, this year, he's he's turned back the clock. I mean, to say the least, um, he's been very much worth it. It's just a shame that the Bears aren't getting this kind of production on a team that actually is going somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a real lesson, honestly, as a football fan, in just how important injuries can be. That it may not be age that slows anybody down injuries and maybe Tom Brady meeting up with all these defensive players like Cam Jordan who just missed his like first game in uh, gosh it must have been like uh, almost 10 years worth of football games yeah. but so it's it's the injuries that get you because shockingly enough Kari turns out that when your plant foot has both nerve damage and uh turf toe you don't do very well as a speed yeah, it sounds <laughs> kind of problematic <laughs> right and so, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's been cool to watch Quinn. He tore right through. He clearly flustered Aaron Rodgers for about eight minutes, and then Aaron was fine going forward. And I think he and the Packers offensive line, you know what? Credit to the Packers line coach, Matt LaFleur, or – Yes, Matt LaFleur. Now that there's a bunch of LaFleurs, I keep finding myself going. There really are. Oh, gosh. Uh, But so credit to LaFleur, credit to Rodgers, credit to the whole squad because they immediately figured out how to corral Quinn and did it, right? The Bears' lack of a secondary pass rush has kind of been an unspoken problem. Guys that I love, like Angelo Blackson, are just not doing anything. Yeah, they're big players. You know, it's like he's great when you have – 
Eddie Goldman and, you know, prime Akeem Hicks dominating. And then you can just bring Angelo Blackson in off the bench. But, you know, now you're, you're trusting Angelo Blackson with playing a lion's share of the snaps. And, and so, again, when you look at this game, like 45 points sounds about right. That's what you should yeah. be doing against this defense. And, and ultimately, it was it was just a matter of time. The first half was fun. But you knew that coming out of the half, and, and this is something that, that a bunch of other people brought up, you knew that coming out of the half, the the Packers were going to have adjustments for you. Yep. They were going to have something ready to go so that they were going to go. They were not going to settle for a field goal. They were going to score a touchdown. And boy, they went ahead and they scored that touchdown quite easily. And then they did it again. And and it's just like, you know, that's that's what you should do against a team that has to play Angelo Blackson in a starting role, right? Or that your second best pass rusher is Travis Gibson. And I like what I've seen from Travis Gibson this year. He just isn't a number two guy right now. He's he's a rotational guy who, you know, is, is coming off the bench, right? You're, you're using him to spell Khalil Mack or, or Robert Quinn. But, right. I mean, you know, the roster is what it is at this point. Injuries are what they are. And, you know, you're not going to necessarily like, – like, okay, so you got, you know, Bruce Irvin – on the active roster, but this is not Seattle Bruce Irvin. This is old Bruce Irvin. So you're not just going to be able to find guys off the street that are just going to come in and make a magical difference for you. So you just kind of got to go out there and do the next man up thing and take your lumps. And, and I mean, to their credit, they hung in there for a half. I mean, that way better than they should have. I thought it yeah. was going to be 45-0 from Jump Street. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So again, they had their fun for a half. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's interesting because I was just checking the YouTube stream, you know, people were talking about um, Justin Fields with the with the jump passing. And, and again, like, I think that it was just because, I mean, he was in situations he, you know, clearly just didn't feel comfortable in he's getting pressured all the time. He's getting guys walked back into him. And he's just like, look, I got to make this throw one way or another. So I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna rig it, see what I can do. Yep. I'm honestly amazed that that uh the the first one that he did to like David Montgomery, like on that last drive, that throw didn't somehow get picked off. But even the even the one that did get picked off, the fact that Darnell Mooney probably should have still caught that ball. And it's just like the fact that you're out there just casually doing stuff like that just because you can slash you have to and it's actually still ending up in your receiver's hands is low-key kind of hilarious to me oh yeah because at that point i don't care about like you know there's no actual opportunity for you to win this game so it's just like okay let me just see what you got and so i I think that again just seeing somebody with like that special skill is is is, uh pretty impressive it is i mean Fields, at this point, if I was going to describe him in a nutshell and somebody was like, okay, what do you think of Justin Fields so far? He's making a lot of the hard things look easy. He's making a lot of the easy things look hard. So once those easy things look easy and the hard things, hopefully he keeps them around, he could really find something. For now, is there anything specific as we wrap this thing up that you're watching for regarding this Bears team going forward? A playoff push? Something else? Um, well, I'm going to say absolutely not on a playoff push. I'm, I'm basically, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry. All of you people out there that are still watching this. I, I, they're not going to the playoffs, 
what I do want to see is, um, well, for one, the big thing is Tevin Jenkins for me. So I'm curious, do you now that Jason Peters is, is hurt and you don't know the severity of the injury, do you just go ahead with it now? Do you just say, okay, well, we thought that this guy um, you know, was potentially going to be our left tackle of the future. Um, so we're going to go ahead and just play him there and we're going to go for it. Do you try and get a little crazy with it and be like, you know what? Why don't we try Larry Borum over there and put Tevin Jenkins back on the right side? And, you know, because I, I think that's what we've heard is the what they might be thinking of doing now, because Larry Borum might have the traits to play on the left side. By the way, one thing that, you know, uh, flies under the radar, Larry Borum looking pretty solid. Have not have not noticed him in in a really bad way um for much of the much of the time since he's been back i would say which is very encouraging so i want to see that um and then after that i think it's just i mean defensively like i, I don't know that there's a whole lot else going on that that, that we're going to find interesting is robert quinn going to break the sack record you know does Jalen Johnson bump inside more and play more slot and travel with guys? That's something he was talking about doing with Devontae Adams. Like he wants to get better at slot corner. Is that going to be something he experiments with as the season is lost? Um, and then, I mean, what we're all going to be watching for is how does Justin Fields handle playing when there's nothing to play for, except for, except for yourself and except for development, because I think that you could say that until today or, you know, even through today, there was still the specter of, oh, we're not really out of it. You know what I mean? Like there's still an opportunity here for a potential push, but, but I mean, now we can probably dispense with that completely at this point. So, so now how does he handle that? Where does he grow? How does his game fit this stuff? How is his health? Right. You know, because apparently, you know, he is hurting every time he throws. He has a left hand injury now. Apparently, it's just swollen. I don't know that there's anything more serious there. I really struggle to believe he was playing super healthy tonight. I think it was more like green lit to go than it was your ribs are good. You know what I mean? He said 90%. And honestly, I that's probably optimistic. And football would list me at six or at five, eight. Like, I know how it goes. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, like, it's like he it, it didn't look 90% to me. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think that's the other thing. It's just like, assuming he stays healthy, where where does he take the steps within the situation that he's in? Does he become more of a get the ball out of my hands quick kind of guy and start playing a little bit more of that conservative game? Does he continue to play smart with his legs which i think he did a really nice job of today um and how much of that do the bears even try to do do they protect do they asset protect for the future you know or are they going to continue calling plays as if they still have something to play for Mm -hmm. so i mean really from from here on out it's about these kids developing because there really isn't anything else well, there's one other thing. I I thought you were going to rip it out of my mouth so many times. Both of my eyes are on Ryan Pace and what in the world happens there. Like whether it's rumors. 
whether it's I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not even gonna speculate, man, because because I mean the, the thing is like yeah that that is absolutely the number one question aside from also do they do they finally like decide they're gonna x Negi mid season and take advantage right of of the the extra weeks that you can interview candidates, but do you do that if you don't know what your GM situation is? That's exactly why I want to know. Look, all I'm saying, which I have nothing on the inside. I don't know diddly. I am entirely speculating. But there's a there's this rare situation where there's a perfectly decent GM in Rick Smith that's just not working anywhere right now. It's it's rare that you have a nominal free agent GM that's just chilling that did really good work in Houston. I mean, when you look at the pre-Bill O'Brien era, that was a pretty solid team. And then Rick Smith left, and it went way down. So I don't know what the Bears are going to do. I don't, and I won't presume to. George McCaskey is a tough man to read for as easy as he seems to read. We all thought Pace and Nagy were gone last year. But what I would really look at here is I want to know what the direction of this franchise is. I think that that starts at the top. Who's staying? Who's going? I think Nagy's probably out. You mentioned that earlier. Completely agree. I think, frankly, I would tell you that I think that that was sealed as recently as the Arizona loss, if not the Baltimore loss. You know what I mean? But at this point, it's a matter of how deep are we willing to make changes. I'm willing to make changes wherever. I don't need to be a chest-thumping meatball to say, oh, we got to fire everybody like it's it's time for organizational change it's just a matter of whether they're willing to do it and until they do i'm gonna be waiting around for them too that's just me though yeah no i mean to me like i like i said at the beginning there is no reason that any of them need to stay like no i i i I think i think at this point like it, it is very clear that the house cleaning absolutely needs to happen because once again, whatever Ryan Pace's vision for this team was, it, it has not come to fruition. It has partially not come to fruition, you know, or maybe largely not come to fruition because of the choices he made. The guy that he brought in to enact this vision of, of uh, you know, a, a revitalized Chicago Bears football team destroyed you know basically just just spent the last three years destroying it yep you know and then you know you you missed on the quarterback which i mean again this wasn't the only pick he made in his time here no right he made other good picks as well um he's made other bad picks but he missed on the quarterback and when you miss on the quarterback and and you try to go in all in with him as the guy and and the setback that it has caused this franchise and 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 the doubling down on it even through last year right even when you knew that that you you weren't going to give him the fifth year option and 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 to and to still basically be trying to like play out the string with Mitchell Trubisky i think that um you know you just have to make a change it's over, right? There, there's, there's just nothing good that can that can come from continuing to, to, to do this. You know, we've heard the definition of insanity brought up a million times, right? But I mean, right. here it is. 
here it is. And honestly, you could say it's the definition of insanity to keep trotting Matt Nagy out there every single week Gosh. and trying to give him more opportunities to, to prove what. I don't even know if he wants to be out there anymore. Like, obviously, he'll show he up depressors and so on and so forth. But he, he, Matt, Matt Nagy knows it's over. He knows that at the end of this year, he is going to be looking for a new job. And, and those chants, man. Like, it's just got to be brutal living right now. Like, he knows he hangs in the balance. He's well aware what it means to lose to the ta- or to the Packers. You know what I mean? Like, how many fire nag... At this point, are they chanting at the grocery store? Like, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, you know, and, and you feel for the guy, right? Because by all the accounts, human. like, it seems like he's he's a perfectly fine person right and he and he cares right and that that's a, that's a thing like you know he 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 cares he gets the guys fired up and once again like these guys clearly they have not quit on him they are continuing you know continuing to try to play hard and play with pride you know they have a good um they they have good leaders in that locker room to help you know you know continue to ensure that that happens but again no matter how much you like the guy the fact is that he simply has not come in and done the job that he was supposed to do, right. which was supposed to bring the Chicago Bears offense into the 21st century and, you know, create a contender that can score points. And it's funny that that you brought this and, and I didn't even get around to this, but I just want to do it now before we leave. I also don't need I don't absolutely need an offensive coordinator to take over this head coaching job. I just need a head coach that is going to bring in the people mm-hmm. bring in the offensive coordinator that is going to get it done for justin fields i don't need it to actually be them mm-hmm. and so i feel like when people get really hung up on the hot offensive coordinator it's like it's got to be brian dable right it's got to be kellen moore it's, it's got to be, be byron Leftwich or josh mcdaniels right mm-hmm. no it doesn't it does not have to be any of them it does not also it, Conversely, it also does not have to be a defensive coach to counteract the oh well we screwed up a couple of times with the with the offensive coach so now it's time to go back to the defense and fix the defense. No, what you need is a football coach who knows the right people who has a vision for how they are going to make the Chicago Bears good, and they are going to bring in the people that are going to enact that. They are going to create a culture in which the players buy into that system and that vision, which is to an extent, that's maybe what they had for one season, but you got to be able to build that year in and year out. And that's also not the only part of this because I mean, the bears don't have a very advantageous salary cap position. Um, They keep on giving away their first round and second round draft picks. So you got it. You got to hit with the limited picks that you've got, or find a way to acquire more. All it's like this, four of them. This, is, this is not a good position for this franchise to be in. The right. only, what you can hang your hat on, though, is that this team has Justin Fields, and whether you think he's good or not, you don't have to draft a guy next year. You have somebody that you can point to and say, "This, this is this guy's highlight reel. This is what he can do." You go ahead and do something with it. That's it. And that'll that's all that the Bears have, plus a couple of a couple of building blocks here and there, Roquan Smith, Jalen Johnson, so on and so forth. But 
we'll have to let the chips fall before we find anything uh, else. Next up, the Bears take on the Mighty Vikes, the Purple People Eaters, on Monday Night Football. We're in prime time again. But before then, Kari, I got to let you go. We got to get some sleep. Where can folks find you online? What you got going on? All right, man. Well, you guys can all find me at KD Thompson five on Twitter. That's basically where I spend half of my life. Um, and you can also read my work on boston.com. I write about the Patriots. Uh, mainly, I also occasionally sneak bears and Justin Fields talk in there for, you know, those of you who are, who are looking for a little bit of that, um, whenever I get the opportunity. Um, but, uh, yeah, thanks a lot for having me on, Rob. i uh, love to do it again another time. Anytime, man. Let's get some rest. Yes. And Bears fans, that'll do it for this week's episode. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z. My YouTube channel, Run Pass Opinion, Windy City Gridiron, and the like. Also, make sure you're keeping an eye out for the other shows on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting network, like Bears Banter with Bill Zimmerman, who always gets phenomenal guests, Bears Over Beers, but most importantly, Bear and Balance, as Jeff Burkus and Lester Wiltfong are going to take that second look, that all-important second look, at this game tomorrow night as soon as possible. Until next time, Bears fans. Have a great evening, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me.